So I think art just was a very healthy way for us to express ourselves and also just, you know, laugh when things are a bit tough or just give us a bit of stability, a cast of characters that was always with us, things like that. But we would kind of go off and just uh, love this land of like improv and writing stories around these characters. And it was something that was kind of just for us. So things got like really weird, you know, like there were weird stories, weird characters, weird sense of humor, and we loved it. That is animator Kim Ferrari. And on this episode of Creative Mind, we're going to take our first deep dive into the world of animation and and more on what it looks like to have a career as an animator, from freelance to corporate work. And Kim's experience is great because even before she graduated from school, she was working in Atlanta at Bento Box, finishing up her classes online, and finishing up her thesis project, Sisters, all at the same time. This is a great episode to really figure out if you've got what it takes to work in the world of animation. And before we start, please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to so you never miss an episode of Creative Mind. Now here's my conversation with Kim Ferrari. Thank you so much for coming actually into our studio. It's been so long since we've actually been able to be in an actual room somewhat together where, I mean, we're separated by, I think, 12 inches of bulletproof glass, so we're safe no matter what. Um, but you graduated from here, so tell me real quickly, um, what was your major here at the Academy, and how do you describe yourself as an artist? I went to the Academy to study 2D animation, so I got my degree in 2D animation, and I feel lucky enough to be able to say that now I am, in fact, a 2D animator. <laughs> so what, what's the difference? I mean, I know the difference between 2D and 3D, but I kind of don't. So what's the difference between 2D and 3D? Well, 2D is the more traditional look where it's got uh, sort of that pen to paper sort of look to it and everything is flat in quotation marks, because of course you make it move and make it look as dimensional as you want, but uh, at the end of the day it is flat. And 3D, um, uh, you know, um, involves Maya and the more, uh, I guess, mature software to make it look (laughs) and actually be three-dimensional on screen. That's that, that's all the math. So the 2D is the, is the, the actual pen and paper and then software, I'm sure, I'm assuming you're working more in software like Photoshop or Flash or Flash is dead, I'm sorry, Photoshop <laughs> or something else? Uh, Flash is not dead. Okay. Flash is very much alive and actually one of the things that I wish I would have uh, learned more at the Academy. I think there's sort of this um, uh, rumor, I guess, that Flash is dead, but it's not. <laughs> There's a ton of companies that still use it, and it's one of the most accessible tools out there. So oh, okay. it is dead in name because okay. it's no longer called Flash. It's called Adobe Animate now. Ah, but it's, okay. uh, yeah, it's alive and kicking, and it's okay. what I use actually every day at work. Oh, really? really? <laughs> and what I used for most of my projects, uh, you know, and, and different jobs uh, ramping up to the work I do now. So because after graduating... I quickly realized that most companies were looking for experts in Flash. And so I put it on my resume, like, I'm an expert in Flash, and which I wasn't. I had almost never opened the program. And so I learned it because those who fell for it would give me the test. And then that would be, you know, like how I just learned, you know, what to do with it. <laughs> and um, I, I'm, But I'm glad it turned out that way because I think if I was to try to have learned it on my own, 
I don't know if I would have been able to do that, you know? Like, it was really nice to have the time pressure, the stakes are high, you know, and a clear prompt on what I had to do. I told people I'm an expert. I have to be an expert on Monday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah, and then the whole weekend was just me calling people and watching tutorials and things like that. So. <laughs> well, well that, I mean, that makes a lot of – that makes sense because I think that's one of those resourceful things that I think so many art students have to learn is, you know, yeah, you learned a lot of stuff, but you know you're going to learn a lot more stuff – every year that you're working. Yeah, totally. Because, I mean, you know, we're going to go through kind of your whole origin story and your history and all that. Um, but, you know, now, you know, now you said you're working with Animate, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, mostly. A mostly. little After Effects too, but yeah, mostly in the Adobe Suite. Okay. So so tell me, you know, you're working now at Khan Academy. You know, I'll let you explain, you know, what your new role is now. Sure. So I work at Khan Academy now, which is a nonprofit that's all about um, providing excellent uh, educational resources to anyone and anywhere. Um, and their whole philosophy is centered around this idea that anyone can achieve anything, but the fact or the reason I guess we fall behind in our schooling or whatever is because there's certain gaps in our knowledge. So if we can go back in time a little bit and try and like fill in those gaps, then we can unlock our true potential, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, that's pretty awesome. That's a great ethos to, yeah, to think yeah, about yeah. education. It's, yeah, and it's definitely a feel-good message. And so it's very rewarding to for me to work there. Um, and an extension of this philosophy is that you can never start too young. So there's no such thing as just, you know, having all those gaps filled at any point in time. So you can go as early as first grade, kindergarten, and already start filling in gaps um, in learning for different kids. So I have the privilege of working with the Khan Academy kids team. And so we have content for ages uh, or uh, kindergarten aged kids all the way through second grade. And we continue to grow. Um, so that's the team I'm working with now. And our product is an app that we um, built in a way that I think is very... Um, cognizant of the different things that parents are worried about, like screen time, <laughs> right. you know, it, it's very uh, ethical in that way. It yeah. actually kind of pushes the kids out and encourages them to oh, like, you know, great. put down the tablet. That's enough for today. <laughs> <You're done>. Yeah, <laughs> <Go> exactly. <outside. laughs> very manageable, small bits of information. Um, there's no ads, there's no in-app purchases, and it's free always because we're a nonprofit. Um, and this app um, works in a way with an algorithm to sort of find where these gaps are in learning and fill it in. And so it tends to feed the kid, um, you know, content that's engaging and fun, but also a bit challenging and it's very adaptable. So a kid can be, you know, up here in um, LSW or like the, their letters, the alphabet, and be struggling a bit with math and it'll, you know, Try and balance them out and feed specific information. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so it's not so it's not necessarily an art creative app. It's an app that is focusing on early childhood education. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, and so um, I guess that was a very long answer to your question on how it relates to art. But um, where animation comes in is that uh, the the app will feed the user. Um, basically a lesson, whatever standard is um, they're presenting, with a short video that teaches the lesson, and then it's followed by a few activities and games or whatever so that the kid can practice this new standard. Um, so me and my team do the animations that 
present each lesson. Oh, that's very cool. Well, it makes more sense. Nobody yeah, wants to yeah, see yeah. me. So it's you don't want to open up an app and see me going, hey, more watermelon. <laughs> no. You done? Yeah. No. We, we have a cast of five characters that teach all the content. Um, and the videos tend to be just very small nuggets of info. So max like two minutes long. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's yeah. great. So for you as an animator, it was not you know, the, the, the path has led you to now working and creating animation for a specific purpose. Oh, as yeah. As opposed to just Absolutely. Make a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, an eye-opening sort of shift in my a career, I think. Because I, I, I started off very focused on how do I get into the traditional animation industry? How do I get to Cartoon Network sort of level things? How do I do cartoons? And then the more I sort of got out of my own head and into the real world, I realized you know, art is everywhere. It's always been everywhere. And just because uh, we don't see as much of the traditional, maybe just, you know, drawings scanned in sort of art, we still see art everywhere in infomercials, um, in marketing materials, on websites, educational things, you know, art is everywhere. So if uh, it's a passion, um, I think there's just so many doors that are opened up to you. And yeah, there's so many different things to pursue. So many people, when they go to art school, and then long time after, and that's what we kind of talk about on this podcast a lot is not just, hey, I graduated from high from I graduated from art school now what it's I graduated from art school 15 years ago and I'm in a slump or I'm not sure what I want to do or I don't like doing this anymore. I don't want to make a website anymore or the industry changed and you can't make a website anymore. Um, for you, was that, and you said that was a conscious decision. What was kind of that turning point for you to go from, I want to make cartoons, I want to be an animator, to, you know, let's do something that helps people? Was, was there a, a big mountaintop moment for you? Uh, yes and no. I think uh, quality education and accessibility is always something that I've cared about. Um, so it was always something that was in the back of my head when I was going to college, um, cause I went to the academy for grad school. So for college, I actually got a degree in urban studies. Maybe you can cut this out of the podcast, <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> That's okay. I was almost a philosophy major. Yeah. So, um, but I had this passion definitely for, you know, how the urban landscape affects, you know, education and different, uh, you know, what people are able to access. And uh, I did a lot of work with the YMCA, after school things, you know, clubs and uh, tutoring. You're one of those people that cares about people? Yeah, yeah well, I try. Yeah, I try, I try. I even did some work in like foster homes and things. So there was definitely a point when I was going to school and I, and it was just always in the back of my head, like, you know, I, I want to reach children. And yes, cartoons do that. You know, cartoons were a huge part of my growing up and, and things like that. But I was always curious, like, is there a more direct way <laughs> that I can work in this kind of, you know, this line of work? Um, so that was part of it. The other part was that right after graduating, I sort of jumped into the turbulent waters of freelance, <laughs> like many do. And I'm not going to say I wasn't successful because I did manage to get quite a few contracts and, and different amazing, cool projects with great people. But I also came to realize that I think it was not for me. <laughs> yeah, this world of six-month contracts and jumping from here to there. And I think also just being a bit uh, replaceable, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and just kind of like navigating that and planning ahead. I'm not always a great planner aheader. 
<laughs> and managing the finances too. Like I think uh, last time we talked, I told you that <laughs> taxes. Yeah, yeah when you when you freelance, you just get the check, and you think like this is a good fat check. You know, I'm getting paid for my my um, you know skills. And but the smart way to do it is to put some money aside that you'll have to pay for taxes at the end of the year. Right. So you will pay for taxes at the end of the year, whether you want to or not. Right. <laughs> and so that was a slap in the face. And then also managing things like. Um, uh, you know, uh, health insurance and things yeah, like that right. became a little tricky for me. And there was always sort of that stress. Um, I mean, I had Obamacare, which was great, wow. you know, but there was always that stress in the back of my head of like, who actually had Obamacare. That's you know amazing. what? Yes. It was, and it was awesome. And well, it, it great. gave yeah, me great coverage, but I still had that, uh, little um, voice of dread, I guess, that if I were to get like a kidney stone or something, sure. like that'd be the end of it. Like right. that would be all my money. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I wanted to transition into something that still let me pursue animation, how I, you know, defined my own goals. I didn't want to compromise on that, but I started to look for um, an industry or opportunities that would provide me with a bit more of the structure of the more traditional full-time employment with the benefits and things and, uh, so I was able to do that and actually uh, ended up getting a kidney stone, but being able to pay for it. So <laughs> it was a big moment for me. But that, that's, I mean, that's kind of a brilliant way of, well, not kind of, it is a brilliant way of, of looking at your career. Because uh, I think so many people, you know, I want to be an artist. I went to art school and I had dreams of being a painter and then never picked up a paintbrush after I graduated because um, I wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> And you, after working, went, okay, you know, this style and what kind of, I want to have you, you know, walk us through some of those freelance works just so Mm -hmm. people, you know, can understand what freelance looks like. But for those of us who've worked freelance, like you said, it is like, all right, I got a three-month contract, which means I got to find two more three-month contracts today before I start my first three-month contract because God knows what's going to happen later because that three-month contract may end a week from now because we just don't know. Um, and then, you know, making that conscious decision to go, well, I want a full-time job. How do I find that? And was that, that, so that, that question is when you went, okay, I, I want to be a full-time employed employee doing art. Was it education was the main search or was it, were you looking in animation or in the arts in any type of full-time employment? Well, uh, yeah, I think it's dangerous to close doors, I think, as an artist. And so there's some parameters you can set. And then I think it's good, you know, just as a, a rule to sort of be flexible on on many things so that you don't close any doors for yourself because it's a very competitive industry. Um, so, yes, I was looking primarily in education because, like I said, I had had some experience in it and, you know, some uh, great resources and people who could point me in different directions. Um, so that felt like the safest and most exciting way to go. But I also was, you know, at the same time looking to see, you know, what other jobs I could get, even in that more um, kind of freelance world, you know, until I got there. And it was a very stressful transition. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> yeah. you know, because up until that point, I think most artists can relate. It's just so reliant on networking and connections and just calling people constantly to see, I mean, like you said, to be able to set up those jobs 
that will come in the future while you're working on a job, you know? Yeah, it seems like that's the full-time job. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is in many ways. And going and drinking with people and having yeah. dinner with people, whether you like them or not. To and go. updating that damn portfolio like <laughs> every week. So, um, yeah, where was I going with that? Oh, so it was a stressful transition because suddenly I had to sort of drop those contacts and try and rebuild a different kind of oh, network wow. base. So to talk to me about that then. You know, so let's, let's, let's talk about that because I think that's, you know, a lot of people we've talked to in the past are pointing out, you know, that, that those two most important things, that it's a community and you need to network. Skills are like number five, six, maybe 10 in the top 10 things you need. It's like skills are like, yeah, 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 yeah. you'll figure that out. It seems like, are you a jerk? Can I work <laughs> with you? And do you know enough people to prove that you're not a jerk that I can work with you? Yeah. Um, how does that work? How did you build a network from freelance, which is, you know, we're all pirates on shore leave, <laughs> to corporate networking? How, what, was, what were some of the steps you took to do that? <laughs> uh, well, it's funny you should say that because what ended up getting me the job at Khan Academy was someone who knew someone who knew someone from the academy that oh, was really? able to make that introduction. And when I went in for the first interview, I remember folks there, uh, you know, being a little bit surprised that that's, you know, that's the path that I took. But coming from the art world, you know, that's the only way I knew how is, you know, you don't go on LinkedIn per se to find jobs like you call Joe who helped get you a job last time right. <laughs> or the guy that you gave a job to last time and right. see if he hey, can hey, pay hey, the hey, favor. I'm calling in that shit. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um so yeah, I don't know. It was just a I think it was just keeping an open mind too and just like I said not closing doors and just, you know, just ask people, you know, cuz you're right. I think uh art's not any different than a lot of industries where one of the most important things is that you're personable and you get along with people and you seem like a trustworthy, awesome person, you know? So you're never really wasting um, effort just by talking to people, you know, to be nice and just hear what they know, who they know, and what jobs are around. And, uh, you know, like you don't have to plan it out too formulaically. I think just having that attitude usually gets you somewhere. Truer words never were spoken. It's, it's, it's all, every, again, every time we talk to somebody, I always think back on, you know, myself and other people I've worked with. Like, wow, that, that idea of being the solo artist locked up in your room in the dark, f deep foreboding thinking and, and creating. It's like, no one's going to see your work. No, yeah. It's a shame. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I will say, too, that now I actually um, am lucky enough to be able to dig back into some of those contacts I used to have because... We're a small team. We're, we're just about 11 people in the kids, uh, Khan Academy kids department of Khan Academy. And uh, uh, my animation team is, you know, filled with contractors too. And so it's awesome. I get to work with a lot of LA talent, you know, a couple of voice actresses. Oh, and very cool. a great, I should give a shout out to The Little Labs, which is a small um, but very kick-ass animation studio in Los Angeles that I get to work with. And uh some audio folks too. So I still have one foot sort of in the in the contract department and, and I love it. You get to be the, the person that go, yeah, she's she's on the corporate side, but she's cool. She <laughs> yeah. She you know knows. what though, Bobby, I am cool because oh, I know I, I know because uh, having had been there, I now definitely try and uh 
build out those schedules and timelines, you know, like real Gantt chart, like very, very specific <laughs> down to the very last detail because I know how stressful it is, you know, to not know like, okay, in two weeks, will I have this job? You know, and I, I love to be able to say, yes, you will. You will have this same job in like two months or whatever. And this is exactly what you'll be delivering that day. All this stuff has already been approved and we have the money for it, you know? Feel so, free to yeah. get that kidney stone. Yes. You're going to be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It'll pass. Don't worry. It'll be okay. When I woke up this morning, I didn't think we'd be talking about kidney stones. But. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did I, but uh, you brought it up. You brought it up. And you'd be surprised every time I bring it up, someone else in the room chimes in and says, oh my God, I've been there. Now let's talk about some of the the flashy, cool, fun, I am an animation expert type talk. Your claim to fame at the Academy was you had this great award-winning, adorable short. So talk to me about Sisters, this great animated short you did. Thank you. Uh, sure. It's a bit of a throwback. Uh, Sisters was a short movie about um, two nuns. One was Mother Superior, and the other one was a much jollier nun named Sister Catherine. And they had to find a way to, despite their different personalities, get along and see eye to eye. Otherwise, uh, they'd basically die. So, <laughs> um, so the that was of all good kids yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was zany and uh, it was just a lot of fun. Um, and it's called Sisters because of the nuns, obviously. But I also worked on the project with my twin sister Kiara, so it was also about our um, sisterhood. So when you decided, you know, okay, I'm going to become an animator. I'm going to be the person that makes cartoons, and I'm going to say cartoons not in a disparaging way. Cartoons oh, I love are it. Awesome. It doesn't matter your age. I think in your top five shows, two of them are going to be animated series at this um, point. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I finally got my wife into Rick and Morty, which you know, <laughs> may be my downfall. Um, but what was that choice for you to go, I want to become an animator and then come to the academy and, and learn this? What, what prompted that? Hmm. Uh, well, I think that goes way back because, uh, like I said, I got a twin sister and that was always something that was part of our world was art and I think it gradually became animation is the most tangible way to tell a story so that's how our art evolved into animation because I think growing up um, you know we moved around a lot as a family and there was just lots of sort of turbulent uh, crazy times and so I think art just was a very healthy way for us to express ourselves and also just you know, laugh when things are a bit tough or just give us a bit of stability, a cast of characters that was always with us, things like that. And we just loved, it was more than art though. I think our, for a while, our main passion was the storytelling. So we would just fall in love with, you know, characters from a show or whatever. We barely even had to know them or watch that many episodes, you know, but we would kind of go off and just, uh, love this land of like improv and writing stories around these characters and it was something that was kind of just for us so things got like really weird you know like there were weird (laughs) stories weird characters weird sense of humor and we loved it and uh and uh art became sort of the way to share those stories and make them tangible and make them you know like really keep them 
and not just have it be a spoken word that, you know, evaporates eventually. <laughs> we still love just drawing them out. And and then animation was the next step to that was actually being able to, you know, move those stories and tell the story better. And uh, there were lots of summers. I always have to bring up my grandma when we uh, when we talk about why, why art, because uh, she played a big role in it. In the summertime, uh, my whole family would go over to Italy because we're from Italy and spend Tough summers life. there. Really a lot of pasta. Really rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we would spend summers with our grandma and the family would kind of like separate. We have three grandmothers. So, you know, the kids would kind of disperse and we'd kind of have like our alone time, you know, with grandmas and it was a lot of fun. And so it was usually like me and Chiara and my older brother, Giacomo, there's five of us, but the three of us would stay with one grandma for the majority of it. And so it would be just months in a small apartment without internet in a city called Udine and she kind of lived out in the outskirts and we couldn't even really use the phone, you know, because it was international sure, rates. Sure. <laughs> so my point is, we're just kind of stuck inside for most of the day, you know, just left our own devices and how do you battle boredom? And so I think that was kind of where the explosion of creativity came for me and my sister, you know, it's just the two of us. And we loved just making these stories and animating things. And so it was always something we wanted to pursue. And we didn't, we didn't think of it as a pipe dream either. You know, we thought like, yeah, we can do this. And, you know, being surrounded by grandmothers who are just so loving, like, of course you can do this. And you just, and just you know? I mean, the, the horrible scenery of Italy. I yeah. Mean, just, yeah. That must have been terrible. <laughs> I mean, all this art everywhere. It's like, oh, just get it out of my face. So you were in, um, what's, what was the name of the city? Udine. Udine. What, mm -hmm. what province is that in? It is uh, like an hour drive um, north of Venice. Okay. So oh, very wow. northern part of Italy okay. next to Austria. Okay. Wow. So mm -hmm. you had the nice rolling green hills. Oh, yeah. Running around in the mountains and foothills. Real terrible time. Mm -hmm. And how many summers did you have this horrible experience? Uh, well, I mean, I won't say my age, but every summer basically well, of my no, life. Well, you're 19. I know that. So that's, <laughs> that's we can put that out there. Uh, but every summer? Oh, man. Yeah. More or less every summer. Yeah, yeah, we can't be friends because that's just that's 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 not good. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, I have all three grandmothers still; they're still uh, around, so come wow. come anytime. That's great. So, when you came to the academy, then what did you have to learn uh, to become an animator? Uh, I just had I had to learn, of course, a lot of the foundations. I think because for the longest time, it really was just a very zany, weird expression of you know whatever I wanted and I didn't have a lot of the structure and the foundations of you know the anatomy of things and et cetera et cetera and uh, so that was really fun and also very intimidating to be there you know and be drawing live you know not with a computer or whatever but big piece of paper with a sharpie drawing what's in front of you while the teacher watches that kind of experience was very uh, you in the beneficial. animation department you guys were drawing with sharpies uh yes we because Coco was really into that because okay, Diana, Diana Coco Russell. Yes, yeah, really. Yeah, 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 she was really big on that because I think it's very convenient to be able to hide behind a Cintiq and Photoshop, you know, and all those animator tools that let you erase. And so she kind of wanted to get us all out of that shell and say, like, look, first and foremost, if you want to be an animator, you got to know how to draw things. And so we'll step away from the computer and learn how to draw things. But with a sharpie, that's yeah, you can't erase a sharpie. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting because I know, I mean, I, you know, everyone takes the anatomy class and you get the, you have to learn how to mm -hmm. carve your chalk and get your pencil sharp in the right <laughs> way and then you can rub it off. But when you said sharp, it was like, wow, that's, that's commitment. Yeah, yeah. She would call it the big bad marker. <laughs> get out your big bad markers. <laughs> that, that is a spot on. People cried. Yeah. Diana, no. Coco, Russell. Impersonation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and people crying, I'm sure, happened quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after that, after you learn how to now name clavicles and patellas and all that fun stuff that all cool artists get to do, um, you were still focusing on 2D animation. And what did you learn then from your experience with sisters and, and upon graduation to go, okay, this is, this is the path I'm going to go? What were some of the things that you learned and, and it pushed you to go, great, I'm going to be a working animator? Mm -hmm. uh, well, and I should say, too, that I decided to do 2D because it felt more accessible to me. Because, like I said, I had gone to school for uh, urban studies. Once again, delete that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's People need to know you're a human and, being with heart. There's, there's only so many people like that. So... To me, for me to take that leap into the art world, it felt like a bit too daunting to go straight into 3D, which, you know, on top of the foundational skills, you also needed to know software and be comfortable with it. Um, so I went into 2D, and that was the next step, I think, to making it, you know, actually um, doable to be able to get into the industry was learning the software. And luckily for me, I think 2D uh, animation software is... You know, it definitely can get complicated and it's evolving all the time and there's just so much that we can do with it. But I think at its foundational level, it's mostly still reliant on the artist and less on the software. So if you're, you're a good artist and you know what you're doing, then it's a lot easier to pick up a tool like, you know, Animate or, or After Effects and things like that versus Maya. But that was still a learning curve. So that took a while in my uh, schooling to, to get comfortable with the tools to be able to actually make the dream a reality. Okay, that that, that that's that's a good piece of advice because I think that's mm -hmm. so many. You, we we there's a lot of people we meet when you're working in creative fields. It's like you know how to draw, but you don't know what this does. <laughs> and then there's the other person. He knows how to make this work, but he can't put two colors together. Yeah, and putting those. Finding that happy mix is, is, is so rare. And I'm biased, but I think, uh, you know, I think the foundational piece is more important. You know, get comfortable with the colors and the anatomy and what you're doing. And then, you know, don't think of the tool as a daunting thing. Like think of a, you know, just train, train that tool to work for you. Right. It's kind of what you're doing. Right. A hammer's a hammer. It's, yeah. It's, don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. So talk to me about that, that first, um, first week. I'm free. I'm freelance. I'm <laughs> going for jobs. What does that mean? Uh, earlier I said I'm not good at planning ahead, but I actually got my ducks in a row while I was graduating. I was kind of lucky enough to be able to have had uh, just, you know, w with my sister there too, uh, we really planned out our time management and stuck with it, which I think is difficult to do. And it's a, you know, a thesis project that's all your own and you really want to change things and kind of go off your own script and timelines and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. We actually stuck with it. So I um, finished the project uh, like a month before, a couple months before graduating. And so I had that time built in to kind of look for work. So I actually was able to find a job 
uh, my first job down in Atlanta <laughs> um, before graduating. So I went down there and ended up kind of finishing my classes online. And so um, thankfully, I didn't have to sort of deal with that stress of post-graduation <laughs> and like, oh, man, it's cold out here and right. I don't have money for heat. <laughs> what do I do? Walk us through then that, that journey of being a freelancer. I mean, you know, I know there's good times, bad times, but what were some of those things you learned, some advice for students or anybody working in that world? So you had to pick up from, you know, the Academy of Arts here in San Francisco, and then you got to go to Atlanta. And that had to be a bit of a change, for lack yeah. of a better term. Um, what's the harder part? Moving down there and finding a place to live or doing the work? Uh, I think the, the hours are very stressful. Because I think, especially in your first freelance gigs, but honestly, in any of them, there's a, there's a ramp up, you know, and a learning curve for every project because every studio wants to do things a little bit differently. Um, and factor that into like a very short six-month contract. Most people can't afford to have two months, you know, ramp up out of a six-month contract. So you got to be ready to go, you know, week one. And so that was really stressful um, for any freelance, freelance project but especially for the first couple ones. So when I moved down to Atlanta, I, I literally, I think I moved down there, like the, it, the work started on Monday and I moved there on Friday, found an apartment Saturday <laughs> and then Monday morning. And remember, I didn't know the software that well either because I may have um, exaggerated on my resume a little bit. Um, and so I was thrown into this world where it was just, you know, it's, it really is dog eat dog and you got to keep up and, and really, uh, <laughs> you know, dive in. And, and so then it became difficult because um, it's a balance between that network and that network is what's going to get you the next job and so many afterwards. Um, so you have to try and figure out how many hours do I want to devote to networking and how many hours do I want to devote to the actual craft you know, and all those hours add up to more than 24 hours, I think, in a day. So for that first job, for example, um, a big lesson I learned was that I spent most of that time trying to learn the software and really kick butt at my job, you know, and hit all the deadlines and everything like that, which, you know, I can't blame myself. I think that was the most important thing for me to do. And I wasn't able to do as much of the, you know, talking to people, networking with these people, who do you know, you know, things like that, because... I was actually pretty lucky. Most of the people in my team were not from out of town. Most of them were from Atlanta and they got quite a big, you know, animation scene down there. So they did know people and they, you know, laughed when eventually after the six months we, we were all kind of given the boot. You know, I remember one of the dudes uh, kind of like chimed in like, oh man, this is the third time you fire me. You'll be back, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we, we all kind of laugh about it because it's nothing personal. It's yeah, the industry, right, you know, I'm not yeah. pointing any fingers. Um so, so yeah, so then once that contract ended, I sort of found myself in a, in a bind because I didn't think that I had made enough of those connections to really get the next job. And so I sort of applied to those same jobs that everyone else was applying to in the area, but without the added benefit of like, hey, you know, remember me? I saw you a couple weekends ago to, you know, at this thing or that. Um, or, hey, you know, I'm really good friends with this guy. So, you know, like things yeah, like that. Check up on me. It, it, don't look at this piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was, it's slightly puffed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I wasn't able to say like, hey, Elizabeth told me to come over here and talk to you. So um, 
So no success for me finding um, a job after that in the Atlanta area. I think all the positions kind of got filled from others in my team. And so then I was kind of back to square one and drifting around. I came back to the Bay Area because I wanted to be here um, and did a series of other freelance projects. I did even just some like short animations for a hospital. I worked for a company called Epiphio that does animated uh, ads. And they're, they're a great company, actually. I recommend them f- to freelancers out there because they're, it's kind of like an Uber culture where, you know, you, you uh, put the check mark in when you're available. You can take it out anytime. So it's easy to balance your time. Um, and, and they'll have a project for you at almost any time. So once you're in, you're in, you know, um, but you don't have the benefit of, you know, working with a team. You're really just a solo person. And, you know, there's someone else working with you in Washington and somebody else, you know, from Portland, but you don't even talk to them. You know, it's like through one mediator. Um, so that can get kind of lonely pretty quick. And that's kind of how I felt. So, um, it was a great job, but I thought of it, you know, as something I could have while I looked for something a bit more stable. Um, I also had a chance to work with a company called GoSpot um, in Daly City, so pretty local, and they're a great bunch of people. Um, didn't stay there too long either, unfortunately, just some shows got cut and things like that. And after that, I worked with, um, oh, did a little little <laughs> super short little gig for Titmouse. That was a lot of fun for their Vancouver studio. And then for another Vancouver studio called DHX, which is a service studio. They do a lot of shows for Netflix, DreamWorks. They're a great bunch of people, too. And uh, so I was lucky enough to work on Peabody and Sherman show, the, the little reboot on Netflix. When you started working freelance, and more for the idea of, you know, when you're working freelance and you're, you know, you, you put your shingle out there that says, I'm an animator. What are you doing? as an animator when you're working freelance. I'm, I'm, I want to assume and hope that you're always making the coolest characters, but I know that's not the answer. What, mm. what are the types of work somebody can expect when they're starting out in the animation field? What are you actually doing? Uh, well, if you freelance for a larger company, you will just take care of the animation execution piece and they get very detailed. You know, like you have... Um, a month to do a minute and 10 seconds of animation. Here are all your files, your rigs, your artwork, everything, go, you know? Wow. Um, so that's like the one side of the spectrum. And then I think the the farther you get from the industry, you know, into maybe like that job I did for a hospital, for uh-huh. example, things like that, or smaller companies, um, your, your job might vary a lot more than that. So you might be also doing, you know, the rigs or the artwork, Okay. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So you're not, so, you know, it may be your, your part, you're doing parts of a whole as opposed yeah. to see all that on screen. That's me. Yes. Okay. Of course. Okay. No, it's more like, Hey, do you see that guy in the back that just waved? That's my guy. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> the wave. That's mine. Yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta work your way up to those like detailed scenes. I think, uh, when I was working, so in Atlanta, I was working, uh, with Bento Box on a show called The Awesomes which is a Seth Meyers show uh, that was on Hulu for a couple of seasons. And yeah, that was my first job. So, you know, of course, I'd tell people and uh, and they would go check out the show or whatever and kind of ask me what I did. And I remember my last month there, I finally got like a, a scene that was 
you know, that actually meant something. <laughs> so I got like that final end scene where all the characters are hugging. And that was awesome. I was like, I did that. Do you feel the emotion in that scene? But before then, you know, I mean, Seth Meyers, the whole like kind of SNL sort of, you know, humor had just a lot of like quirky characters and just like random things in the background happening. So I did a lot of just like that bird was mine or, you know, that smirk from that character in the back. That was me. That was me. That was me. It took a month and a half, but it looks pretty good. Huh? Yeah, that's that's the part of animation that I, I I'm, I'm jealous people can do it. But it, at the same time, it seems like that just seems like s- the patience you guys have is otherworldly. I, I, but that's why the networking thing, I think, is good. Or just getting your um, art out there is really therapeutic in a way because, you know, you spend hours at a computer and you just end up crying over like, oh, my God, this like... His nose just doesn't look right in this like breakdown shot that is on screen for like 0.2 milliseconds. <laughs> Three frames that, yeah, no one will that ever nobody see. will ever see. And you just get in this zone where you just think, like, my career is over. You know, like someone's going to see this. I'm on a list at DreamWorks because of this nose. <laughs> like, I'm just never getting in any of these companies. So it's kind of a relief to be able to, you know, just. Talk to other people, show your artwork, you know, like A, it has the benefit of someone might know somebody, but B, I think it's also like reminds you what you do it for. Like someone will laugh at the scene, you know, like, oh, that's a great shot, you know, whatever. And, you know, no one's going to bring up the nose and it's kind of (laughs) nice. Well, that's good to hear because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of different art forms, I know a lot of photographers, you know, they never look at your work. They never look at other photographers' work. They go, oh, I like that little <laughs> shaft well, cho- of light. Well, choose you good had friends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's probably, yeah. I'm, I'm, so choose good friends, exactly. Yeah. Network and get people that are not horrible. <laughs> influences. What were some of your influences for animation? What should people be, you know, this is kind of that advocacy question for, for animation. You know, you're 17, 18 years old, and you go home to your mom and they go, I want to make cartoons. And then they go, no, that's not a job. What are the influences and what are the things that you can point to or have people take a look at and go, no, this is something really good. This is, this is important work. You looked at an animation and just went, wow, that's, that's, that's great stuff. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, I think uh, there's been a lot of awesome influences in my life. And if I look way back, I think, you know, there's a difference between technique and style too. So there's different things that I look at that I'm like, wow, I love just the principle behind this, the storytelling behind this and all that kind of stuff. And the animation can be good or bad, you know? So there's the substance and style piece and then there's the technique piece. And of course the gold standard is the ones that can do both. Um, So I remember, well, one that I really love that I tried to uh, reference a lot for my thesis work too was Samurai Jack. Had a huge crush on him growing up. (laughs) And they just did, I mean, so much of that show is silent too, you know, and it depends so much on the shape language and the color. And so I find that I can just, you know, uh, pull up any episode of that and get inspired in some way and, uh, you know, and find some valuable information from that show. So that's definitely a favorite. Um, I'm thinking back and another big influence for me in high school was the gorillas. (laughs) and their music videos just like blew me away and so I also think I think that music videos 
are a great thing to reference and look at too because they tend to just be a bit trippier, I guess sure, is the yeah. best way to describe yeah, it. You, you know, like three minutes go nuts. Yeah, they, they push the boundaries and they do stuff that you don't see on cartoons or movies because it's not sustainable. You know, it's usually pretty experimental or strange or whatever. And uh, and so that's like a great way to, you know, get some inspiration too. I love to like Feel Good Ink, Clint Eastwood. I remember it just blew my mind when those came out. You know, there's so much good animation out there um for someone like you who this is your 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 business do you, do you prefer animation oh. or, or do you prefer live action wow you've backed me up into a corner because i think ooh, because i think me personally as an adult this surprises people but i don't watch that many animated shows really yeah, and I don't think that uh, that says anything about animation per se because I do love to revisit and I still love to watch music videos and things like that. But in terms of shows, like if I'm just sitting down on Netflix watching a show or a movie, I actually tend to prefer the live action. Well, to... now you've ruined my question. Um, <sighs> yeah, I might have just ruined my career. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, but... But in my mind, that's, I think that's what drove me to kind of go into um, doing work for kids. Because when I was a kid and growing up and during all those formative years, the animated stuff was just such a life changer for me. And it impacted my life in so many ways. And so I wanted to be part of that, you know. And I don't think it's a shame that now I've kind of transitioned into watching more live action things and whatever else. You know, you're working in the corporate world. You have to be doing some personal work. So what, you know, tell me, tell me, save that last question where you don't like cartoons anymore. Uh, <laughs> your words, not mine. Um, what kind of personal work uh, are, you, are you working on now? Uh, per, in the personal work goals arena, I'm mostly excited about doing more projects with my twin sister because I still think it's very fun to collaborate with her. We live in different cities now, so it's a good way to keep in touch and also just dive back into that world of just a uh, weird self-expression and things <laughs> like that. So I'm always looking forward to the next sort of project I can do with her. Um, and we're actually thinking of revisiting some of those, uh, you know, old notebooks and things oh, from wow. when we were kids. Oh, just be great. To, yeah, just to laugh about it and sure. uh, and you know see if you we can saved make all that stuff. <laughs> I think I need to give a shout out to Mauro and Paolo, my parents, yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> for holding on to all that stuff because they I have think the archive locked away. They do, they do in Burlingame, uh, oh, California, wow. in a storage unit. <laughs> because otherwise, I think I would have just thrown the whole thing out. Um, so yeah, so now that we've had enough distance from it, we're thinking of revisiting and that might be a very big next project. Oh, wow. That'll be so cool. <laughs> yeah. That'll be awesome. Okay. Last piece of advice you can give to somebody. Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I want to be an animator. I'm, I'm serious about it. What do I do? I think dive in, dive in and make yourself available. I think. Because there is a tendency as an artist to just try and hone your skills before you put your vulnerable self out there. And I think the, the biggest growth comes from just taking that leap and knowing that there's a learning curve, you know? And so what? You know, so what? If the first two rounds don't go that well, you're going to learn a ton from them and keep building. And it's going to give you a leg up the quicker you can get used to just, you know, having fun with it and, uh, and talking to people and just seeing where everything leads. So there you go, a quick tour on the world of animation and a quick tour on 
following your dreams long enough to find the right job for you. And if you've ever dreamed of a career in art and design, more and more of those career opportunities are on the rise, especially animation. Employers are always on the hunt for the next generation of talented and skilled creative professionals. At Academy of Art University, you will get the work-ready skills that employers want. You can study anywhere in the world right now with our online programs, and of course, downtown in San Francisco. To request more information about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, including game development, animation, UX design, and more, just visit our website at academyart.edu slash creative mind. I'm Bobby Brill. Thanks for listening.